Hello and welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. It's myself, Mark, and I'm joined today by the wonderful Deirdre. Deirdre, Hello. how the hell are you? I am very, very, very cold. How are you, yeah, I was Mark? Say, I was say, if you were going to say, I'm very good, I would say, you look, you look very cold. <laughs> yes, I'm freezing. My toes feel like they're on ice and my nose can't stop dribbling. But I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. An open fire would be nice. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah, even the crackling. I I could put the sound effects in the background of the of the podcast of that, but uh, that would be no benefit to us today. <laughs> no. But it's but it's a wintry time of year, and I mean the stories. I think the stories should reflect the where and the when of you telling them. Oh, you can definitely. imagine inside, like sitting inside in freezing cold, telling a lovely warm story. No, it wouldn't no. work. It's, it's the beauty of the different types of stories from the different times of year is that they really do reflect not only the time, but the place that they're set in. Yeah. So like a winter in Dublin or a cold January in Dublin will be so much different than a cold January in the likes of the middle of Roscommon. Yeah. So. And it's got a lot easier because I know, I know we all love the book um, Legendary Ireland by Edna <gasps> Massey inside. Yes. But then her, her new book... The turning uh, of the year. The turning of the year, which so legendary Ireland is about the stories in their place, geographical place around the country. And it's amazing to look at the sites that are around and the relevant stories to them. But uh, yeah, the turning of the year is stories and, and beliefs around the set times of the year and the different festivals. Yeah. What I love so much about that book is that she started off with Samhain, with which is just a beautiful way of getting to know how the how the Irish year was so different than what to what we know it now. Yeah, and why the reason why Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. we celebrated New Year's recently but it, it's not New Year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. New New exactly, Year's back yeah. then. But it's nice to separate out New Year and sound out because then we get to have two parties. Oh of course. And yeah. more parties the better. What well, well like well we we have nothing to celebrate uh until it, until Imbolg. Uh, mm-hmm. we'd have the winter solstice actually, sorry. Mm-hmm. So we do have we do have some stuff to There's celebrate. There's also the Ren boys to celebrate as well. There is the Wren boys, but I mean, I'm throwing Christmas in there anyway. I'll, I'll grab whatever belief system is going for the relevant holiday. Um, <laughs> if there's I'm any curious. reason to celebrate or if there's a reason to gather or to have a good time, it's a good yeah, reason and to Yeah, and I, I don't, yeah. you know, I'm not claiming to be of any of those specific mm-hmm. belief systems or anything like that, but an enthusiastic admirer, I, oh, think, I, like that. I, think, that's, I think that's allowed. Yes. I'll I think go into so. it respectfully, mm-hmm. but if I get to eat... Um, and I get to be married, then that's fine. You'll be a holiday crasher. Yeah, yeah. I'm, if there's fasting involved uh, or any kind of, you know, flogging with holly, I'm not. It's <laughs> your nettles. That's that's oh, not going to be my thing. There's certain types oh. of misery that I that I don't enjoy. And we were talking recently, actually, because we've got a great story today from Jade. Mm-hmm. But me and you were talking about plunging into the sea in the winter. Yes, because this is a thing. Because people still love to go for their sea dips or their dive off the 40-foot in Dunleary. Yeah, you, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas Day. It doesn't matter if it's the coldest January on record. There are people still willing to go out in their skivvies and jump in that ice-cold water as a bit of their own tradition. Yeah, I, I love it. Like, you know, any time of the yeah. year, like I love plunge pools. I mm. love cold water. But I suppose a, a banging of, of privilege that I am here is I know I can go out and get warm afterwards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I had that. I posted a thing up online there recently when I went and planted the uh, the trees. Oh yes, which was great low. fun. But I knew then I how it was. I could go home, have a hot shower. My house would be warm. Mm. There'd be food there, and. I do genuinely feel so privileged 
knowing that that's an option for me, you know, that I have those comforts. But today's story is set, of course, by the sea, which a lot of Irish stories are, mm -hmm. because we're an island. <gasps> <laughs> don't act shocked. People know we're, well, actually, people don't necessarily know we're an island. Yeah. Get visitors coming in who think we're essentially attached to Britain. Um, but you did a story recently, which uh, if people haven't listened to a previous episode of podcasts, I recommend you go and check out episode number 47, I believe it was. Um, which was uh, you telling the story of the lobster, the Kanya. Oh, the you know story. why I love that story? It's a little bit self-indulgent. The pier that it's set on is Dunkeen, yes. which is was which is spelled like my last name. Yeah. So when I found that story, and it's also got connections to Peg Sayers, who yeah. is just the most amazing Shanaki and the most one of the most amazing resources we have as a strong female Shanaki and storyteller yeah. from this country. Um, but when you go down to the likes of the Lascott Islands or down to Kerry, that's where the storytelling is just on another level. Yeah. Like throughout the country, there'll be different styles. There'll be different focuses on different themes and aspects. But when you head down to the likes of County Kerry for the stories, for like the storytelling festivals down in Lestow yeah. or many of the... Cape Clear. Cape Clear is another famous one, of course, as well. Yeah. When you go down to that direction, the stories, when you hear them being told aloud... You can appreciate them on a whole, on, on such a such a special level. Yeah. Uh, for them. I thought. Yeah. I dare we. It's saying that, and then we hear a call out in the background. I don't know if the microphone will pick it up. Was the the seagulls? Yeah. Uh, in the background. As if they know we're going to be talking about the sea. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, do you know actually, Dublin is the only capital city in Europe that's on the coast. Is it? Yeah, I know. It's a it's a weird little, I weird little that. fact. Yeah, we're the yeah. it's the only capital city that is on the sea. Wow. I know it's just it's not it's not that interesting. But learning it is interesting, yeah. but it's not an interesting fact. You see, myself and Mark were based quite close to the mountains, so anytime it's something to do with the sea or the coast, it's always more fascinating and it sounds prettier because yeah. we don't get to go to the seaside that often. No, and I was going to say like how you talk about Kerry. I'm going to say because it is that thing of like you know what's what's different is mm. always more exciting. But I doubt as many people down in Kerry think in Dublin is all that exciting. They're true not, they're not true. those kind of people they're not those kind of people i feel like party's gonna come for me i was literally about to say we also had party on this podcast and you yeah ben Kerry. yeah party's voice will be back on the podcast very very mm. soon he'll barge through the door in no time at all yeah yeah but let's get to this story okay mm -hmm. so this is a story that i think is a stable in the museum mm -hmm. in terms i think it's probably one of the leading stories of its genre um but it's an interesting one. It is the Lady of Gollars being told by Jade. So I suppose we should have a listen to that. You guys who are listening to us, sit back, relax, enjoy it. Maybe have a nice warm cup of tea in your hand. And we will be back straight afterwards for a little bit of a chat. sure you are aware Ireland is an island so naturally a lot of our stories are about water or about the sea and I'm sure we can all agree that even today the sea is still considered to be a very mysterious place if you're brave enough to go for a swim you can never be too sure what is scuttling around there beside you 
and nobody knew more about the mysteries of the sea than a man named Dick Fitzgerald. Dick Fitzgerald was a fisherman from County Kerry and he was known to everybody in the community. Not just because he was the local fisherman, but also because of his desperate need for a wife. He couldn't understand why he was single. He was just such a nice guy. We all know the type. And one day he was walking along the beach, probably complaining to the seagulls about his love life, when he heard a voice, a beautiful singing voice, unlike anything he had ever heard before. So he followed this voice down the beach. When he looked up, he saw a bombshell of a creature perched on the rocks, splashing her legs in the water. And as soon as he saw the scales growing up her legs, he immediately knew that it was a marrow. And a marrow, it's kind of like an Irish mermaid. It has the top half of a human. And when they're in the water, they get the bottom half of a fish. Now, I'm sorry to say, but male marrows are hideous looking. They're said to have big pig snouts and crooked teeth. But lucky for Dick, female marrows are known for their beauty. They are said to have soft green skin that seems to glow with a greenish hue and long green hair that shines in the sun like butter melting on cabbage. Just beautiful. But the most important thing to know about these creatures, and if you remember nothing else from this story, just please remember this. Marrows cannot breathe under the water on their own. So in order to live and stay in the sea, they must always have their magic red hat. If they don't have this hat, they'll be bound to the land. And Dick knew all about this because down in County Kerry, the stories of the marrows were quite common. So as soon as he saw that red hat lying next to her on the rocks, he saw his opportunity. Like a cat creeping up on a mouse, he snatched the hat. And as he leaned in close to speak with her, the marrow could smell the whiskey on his breath. She told him that she had to go. <laughs> she was in fact the princess of the sea. And if she didn't return home soon, her father, the king of the sea, would be out looking for her. She was dropping all the hints, but Dick just kept on talking. And he insisted that he take her out for a date on the land. Realising she wasn't getting rid of this guy anytime soon, she very reluctantly said yes. And as soon as she stood up, Dick linked her firmly by the arm and placed her magic red hat in his back pocket. With every step the marrow took away from the sea, 
the more and more memories of her family and life in the sea drifted from her mind. But the day went on, the sun was beginning to set and after only a few hours of knowing her, Dick decided that she wanted to marry her. So he dragged her to the local priest's house and he knocked on the door. And when the priest saw the bride in question, he pulled Dick aside and said, You can't marry a fish! It's simply unholy! But Dick explained, No, 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 this wasn't any old fish. This was the princess of the sea. And if the priest agreed to marry them right then and there, Dick would donate some sea treasure to the church. Well, it's safe to say the priest changed his mind pretty quickly. And by the end of the day, they were Mr. and Mrs. Fitzgerald. The years came and went like the tide. And before the marrow even realised it, she was a busy housewife and a mother to a son and a daughter. She had long forgotten about her life in the sea, but every night as she tucked her children into bed, she sang them the same lullaby. <laughs> this song always remained in the back of her mind, like an itch of a memory that she could never quite scratch. But Dick, he was delighted with life. He thought he finally had everything a man could want. A hot wife and two sweet little children. Perfect. There was only one problem. You see, to tell you the truth, Dick never fully trusted his wife. He was always very careful to keep her magic red hat well hidden. And he would never leave her at home alone for too long. That was, of course, until one day. One day, Dick needed to go to the nearby town for business. He couldn't bring his wife with him, so he had to push his fears aside and go alone. And while he was gone, the Merrow thought that she would surprise her sweet husband by clearing out his workshop shed his little man cave so she opened the doors of the shed and she got to cleaning and about halfway through the process she saw something tangled up in some old fishing nets something red she pulled it out and as soon as she held it up to her face Memories of her family and life in the sea came crashing back to her in waves. She suddenly became unaware of everything else going on around her as her feet carried her down to the sea. And with every step that she took, the more memories of her family and life on the land began to drift from her mind. As soon as her feet touched the water, she couldn't help it. She felt compelled to dive right in and disappear beneath the dark waves. 
and as soon as she did so, every memory of the life that she had created on the land and even the memory of her own children were washed from her mind. But the hours passed and Dick was returning home from work. And as soon as he saw that the door to his shed was left open, he immediately knew that something just wasn't right. He walked through his front door to see that his children were in complete distress. They were crying out for their mother and their stomachs were rumbling because they hadn't been fed in hours. Dick asked his children where their mother was, but they couldn't tell him. So he went to the neighbour and Mr. Carroll, who was living next door, said that he saw Dick's wife walking past his window as if she was in a trance. He had tried to call out to her, but she wouldn't even turn her head. He also mentioned that she was carrying something red in her hands. And as soon as Dick heard this detail, he knew what had happened. He sat his two children down and he told them that the sea had taken their mother and that she would never be coming home. And as the years went on, Dick grew into a bitter and cruel old man. The son grew up to be just like his father. But the daughter was very like her mother. In the early hours of the morning, while her father and brother were still asleep, she would creep out of the house and walk down to the beach. And as she walked along the waves, she could often hear a familiar tune blowing in the breeze. So that is The Lady Gollars. A pretty depressing one, but uh, one of my favourites to tell. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. I've known Jade for less than a year and I've helped train her and I still cannot believe having a sea story, having creatures coming from the sea, she doesn't even make one reference to Jason Momoa and Aquaman. I'm very annoyed. <laughs> she, do you know what she takes you off? But, uh, do you know what? You, you, I think you and Jade are very similar in that way. When you actually are telling a story, you don't make many pop culture references in your actual stories. That's fair. I know on a tour we all do it because you got to make bring the relevance and sometimes you need to like kind of like just break the tension with something that's a bit funnier. Yeah. But in, yeah, in the storytelling, not too many pop culture references. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that because you don't want to pull the person out of the story. You want to yeah. keep them in that world. And what Jade does so beautifully in it, she really has fun with the inflections in her voice to sort of keep it sort of like wave and seaside like. Yeah. 
Um, but it's such it's such a sad story, but it's a story that I think is just so lovely. But the, the biggest trouble I have with that story is there's no happy ending to it. So when you're telling it to a room full of people about our sea creatures, it's hard to leave it on a happy note. Yeah, and like there's different versions of it. I've heard you tell it back in the day and I've heard other people tell it where, you know, she carries one of the children into the sea. Mm. And the suggestion is like, you know, that, that child obviously doesn't have the, the kind of drought, the, the red hat mm -hmm. is that child's not going to be able to breathe underwater. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a drowning element to it as well. Um, but let's bring gender into it for a second. Okay. Would you would you agree that it is like it is a story best told by a woman? That is tricky. What what I mean by that is that there's a there's a focus within that. Mm. I'm sure Dick Fitz or was he was it you call him? Dicky Fitz. Dicky Fitz. Um, it, it, as a nod to Dickie Rock, I wonder. I wonder, uh, I wonder, yeah. yeah. But it, I think there's probably a way to tell that story where he, he very clearly sees himself as as the victim in that story. Oh, yes, yes. And I think there's a certain consideration that has to be given. Like, she is minding her own business, sitting out, you know, looking over, like, the sea, uh, combing her hair, having an owl sing, and this entitled shite hawk comes along and... Uh, steals her away yeah no, but he thinks he's offering a good life but there's also that element to it as well when he takes away this is going to sound very dramatic but takes away the memory of her former life by never showing her or revealing to her where the red hat is and yeah. that red hat is so important for the marrows because obviously they our marrow creatures don't have gills our marrow creatures are very similar to the selkies in scotland where they would use the skin of the seal, but what we have for the marrow are the red hats. There's so many parts of this story where Dick Fitzgerald is just, he's not the guy you want no. for, you want to be with the marrow or that siren of the sea type. Yeah, no, and again, like kind of, yeah. kind of demonize her and the fact that mm. how she did depict like the women are attractive and they're dangerous in their, mm -hmm. in their hotness, they're, they're dangerous, but he he is a massive he is a massive problem in that story. Mm -hmm. Also, as well, because the the little kindness that he shows, not just to herself, but also to the children in it as well, because the children never get named. No, they don't. They're not given names, or they're not given a side of a bit of a personality. Yeah, it's only ever really. Dick Fitzgerald in the story that gets that personality or gets that moment to shine over you get to see what what traits he has as a person yeah well it's, it's his story but he's one of those um, single use characters as well like I know most people generally you're only going to have one fantastical thing happen in your life yeah but I mean there's more things that happen to people mm -hmm. but we have these like these Pat Diver characters you know, and in this case, Dickie Fitz, mm -hmm. um, and they're just they're just one offs. We never hear from them again. But that's his story. You could definitely tell the story from her perspective. Oh, you could definitely tell the story from her perspective, but it rarely is because um, one of our best loved books that we have here, the Irish Fairy Legends book by Thomas Crofton Croker, he is known to be one of the per people who originally collected that story and published it. Yeah. So. It'd be very unlikely for Thomas Croft and Croker to say it from the Merrow's perspective or the female yeah. perspective. So I, I see where you're coming from in that realm of gender over 
Yeah, I th- if you're going that into story's it, being I mean, shared. to get a to get a good reaction to that story, like you can't tell. There's no version of that story that is funny, light, and and heartwarming with a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there just isn't. But I think if you're going to tell the story, you should definitely play him a little bit as the as the villain. Yeah, and she is yeah. she is the, you know. She she's the victim in the story, and then it, and then after that, then it's her children. But it's funny, you know the the seal people story where the man goes down to the beach and steals the seal fur, and the woman has to come back to the home. It's the same yeah. idea, yeah. but there's the idea that the children in that, the families of those children still exist today, oh, and it's yeah. the O'Hara's in Sligo yeah. and the Gallers in Donegal. I've heard of the O'Flaherty's in County Cork. Yeah, everyone's going to have their own yeah. version of it. It was always said if you met a fella called O'Flaherty and he had webbed fingers, it yeah. meant he was connected to the family. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, it's a really fun play on idea because people still to this day, of course, there's they still have those surnames. Those family names are still yeah. around. So it always makes you wonder and it makes you question things. But it's, I think the storytellers are the ones to blame in that, you know, the Shanaki who are travelling around, I, I I blame them as well on the <laughs> whole, the Max and the O's with the Banshee, because mm-hmm. I think it was just a mechanic used by the storytellers when you got all these people gathered together. Yeah, you to want to make connections with the people the, in the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, so yeah. you'd know that kind of like, maybe there's that wealthy, unpopular family or the landowners yeah. of a particular name, and you want to play off play off those a little bit yeah let's put it this way there's a reason why he's not called Richard Fitz yeah so, there is that yeah. there is that but um, there's two bits there is two moments uh, comedic moments in that story which I think punctuate it really nicely because otherwise it would ju- you'd just be crying oh completely story. yeah and that is the uh, the hair the description of the hair mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being like butter on melting ca- on me- hot cabbage yeah, melting on hot cabbage yeah. which is I, I'd like to think that was always funny Mm-hmm. I I would be quite sad if that was ever considered a sexy description, and I love cabbage. Mm-hmm. You butter. you do love cabbage more. Yeah, you but but that that has to be like a funny line, but the priest's line as well. Oh yeah. Yeah you yeah. Can't be marrying somebody yeah. from this sea. It's a sin. She's a fish. Yeah. Um, I've heard so many different storytellers do their own version of that line as well. Yeah. I hear Paddy doing a very high pitched voice saying, "You can't be marrying a fishy woman," or there are many different jokes you can have with it. But I agree with you that there you need to have that moment, those moments of light relief in the story, and yeah. find them when you can, because in the tale, like it's not it's. There's there's no happy ever after to it, but yeah. you need to hold on to those moments of just a little bit of joy throughout. Yeah, otherwise, yeah. and it's awkward laughter as well, I mm. suppose. Like making a joke at the end of that, sorry, oh. at the end of that story probably wouldn't work. Oh, no. But the ending is so different between like you know different storytellers. Yeah. But it's it's an absolute stable. When I think of some of the the stories we have regarding the sea, you got the island of the lonely seals. You've got those selkie stories, but this is the one that's like really hell up there is an amazing like, kind of like 19th century oh like, it's been a classic down. absolute yeah. classic because there are other Merrow stories like a wonderful tune yeah where a guy is coming home from is wandering from the pub 
and he finds somebody in the sea and he holds on to the music and he follows the tune yeah. and then he's brought down to the undersea and then his mother is completely distraught because she'll never see her son again but before he's completely submerged by the water she, he, he cries out saying it's okay I'll give you a gift I'll give you a gift every day this year to let you know I'm safe Yeah. so every morning the mother will go down walk the coast and all of a sudden there'll be a bit of random driftwood burnt driftwood burnt driftwood yeah. in the location where he drowned it and the mother's reaction is the most Irish mammy thing ever him being the king of the sea you think he'd throw me out something more valuable than a bit of bloody burnt driftwood burnt driftwood mind you I, lo- I love finding a, bit of, a nice bit of driftwood of course you would it's a stick yeah, of course I'm, I'm you would come on you'd be the same bit of, bit of sea glass bit of like beach glass uh, be nice I am well. a bit of a magpie. Yeah. yeah, shiny things on the beach. It's, oh, it's the way. But like that as well, her description of the... What I like about in Jade's uh, version of the story is that she gives a clear description of the female and the male marrow. Yeah. And how the male marrow had the crooked teeth and they were really something that weren't always that pleasant to look at. Yeah. Um, there are very few male marrow stories, um, but they are out there. There's a number of the them on Duke's Soul Cages course. That's yeah, a which is like it, it's the partner of this kind of story and really shows you the those kind of like gender specific kind of approaches to the stories as well. The the Soul Cages, even though it's again it's really dark, mm-hmm. you can make it funny. Yeah, it, it is yeah. it is a funny story now about going having a few drinks. Yeah. Whereas this is a story about abduction, you know, yeah. I mean, and captivity. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's not great mm. but one of the things i think is interesting as well is the kind drew is the red hat and when you were talking about you know the with the selkies and the, the seal robes the fact that they need something to exist in their own world shows that they don't belong there yeah you know what i mean they shouldn't be if you need apparatus then it's not natural for you to be there and you have to wonder the stories of how those people end up in there and in the islands of the Lonely Seal story, we see that there, it's a bunch of people who go to live on an island and disturb a fairy ring, mm-hmm. and they're cursed and turned into seals. Mm-hmm. Who, of course, the next inhabitants of the island cannibalize them. They're eating the seals, mm-hmm. only to find out they're the previous inhabitants. But it's a punishment. It seems like it's a punishment for, for like pissing off our... The, the good folk or other world people well if if you go back to the first leprechaun story of how they travel and they've got the red hats so them being sea creatures there's a connection to them there as well yeah yeah there's, there's, there's a lot of the waters are muddy <laughs> the waters are muddy but that allows us then to take different approaches mm-hmm. and different takes on it but I think we can both agree that it is a great Irish story Oh, it's a classic. It's a classic for a reason. There's a there's a beauty in the softness and the somber way of it. Yeah. And Jay does a beautiful rendition of it because she doesn't she tries to find the moments of fun in it to keep the audience so engaged. But yeah. what she really does at the core is just tell it simply and beautifully. She really does get the message across of how much of a, a very somber tale it all is. Yeah. Well, I, I'm more than happy to put those freezing kind of cold images in the back of my head. But tell me, are you looking forward to putting winter behind you and the idea of the weather getting a bit warmer? Oh my gosh, yes. The longer I look at the collection of stories for not only this time of year, but also looking out the window and trying to stay warm and not yeah. get the sniffles, it's something else. But tell us, what I really want to know from you is yeah. what 
is there like a story or is there something coming up in the next few months basically the warmer months that you're looking forward to be it stories setting at certain time oh, of yeah. year certain things coming up that you're excited about yeah I love those kind of wandering stories like don't get me wrong I love the sound the bleak the wintry stories but I love those wandering stories where someone's out and about and something happens uh, so Bottle Hill I think is a great one of those stories oh, yeah. uh, which we've covered on the podcast as well and and lots more The Legend of Craft again it's just the most amazing things happen when you're when you're out walking around. But in the winter when you're out walking, you're bundled up, your head's down, you're covered up like from the biting wind. So you're not really looking around you. But I think when you have that freedom to like have your head a little bit up, the coat is open and you're wandering around, you see the most amazing things, you know? So I, I love those kind of Lusmore and Ball Hill. They're two great kind of like summary stories that I love. Yeah, it's always a leprechaun story, isn't it? Because when people are going out for the grand adventures or the grand sort of just wandering on their own part, that's always when you find the leprechaun or the good people stories. Yeah. As well. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Like, it's, I, I, I'm looking, yeah. but I'm looking forward to actually physically getting out myself. Oh, and wandering same. around we got to do our beach day which is now we said was going to be an annual thing traditional all storytellers yeah. head off to head off to the beach yeah uh, i'm looking forward to that so plenty to look forward to and more podcasts of course of course now do tell us with the new year already in full swing yeah is there a place across the country that you have still yet to visit that has a connection to the story or connection to history uh, in, oh, in terms of places that yeah. I want to go. Do you know what? I haven't for years now been up to the Giant's Causeway. Oh, so lovely. hopefully, you know, with it being safe to travel and all that, I'd love to get up around that way at some point mm. during the summer. Um, definitely. I'm over in Galway for a week, so Brilliant. some place I want to see over there, like in June. But yeah, but I'll be in here most of the time, as will you, Deirdre. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we'll be. Well, listen, Deirdre, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing your wisdom and your wit. Uh, thank you, Jade, in your absence. Thank you, Jade. Yeah, for your story. And, of course, thank you, as always, to you people listening to this. Go and check out the other episodes. If there's a particular story that you want to hear, don't be afraid to leave a comment. Always like and subscribe. And sure, the best, the best thing would be to see you coming in the front door. If you ever get an opportunity to do that, make sure to say hello. And we'll see you and talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Bye.